Welcome to the Indian Prairie Podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Jovenini, Director of Innovation. And Candy Mashali, Director of Professional Learning. In today's episode, we will discuss teaching in a concurrent classroom, also called rooming and zooming. Joining us today, we have invited Julie Manning from Nico Valley High School and Jessica Walsh from Granger Middle School to provide us with some insights on this topic. Welcome, Julie and Jessica. Will you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Julie Maney. Um, as Brian said, I work at Nequa Valley as an instructional technology coordinator and math teacher. And this is my fourth year with the district. Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica Walsh. I'm an instructional specialist at the district office, and I teach sixth grade ELA and eighth grade social studies at Granger. I've been with the district for 15 years uh, and, and many more as a student. Well, we thank you both for being here today. Let's get our conversation started. Um, can you share with us the evolution of Room and Zoom or the concurrent classroom in your building um, so far this school year? Sure, I can go first. Um, at the high school level, we kind of started it with a few teachers who wanted to pilot um, when we invited students into the building for some instructional supports um, before students were actually attending full-time. And so we had a couple teachers that wanted to kind of hit the ground running with this and they knew some of their students were in the building. So they volunteered to just pilot and see what would happen. Um, and they were really integral in, in providing us with information on how to um, make the process even better. So they, there were, I think three teachers who kind of took it on themselves to just get the technology figured out um, and start that process really early on. Yeah, Julie, it was the same for us uh, at the middle school level too. We had some folks who were willing to do some piloting. Um, it kind of felt like that scene in Apollo 13 where they have all the stuff, like this is what we have to work with. How can we make it work? And we basically kind of brainstormed together. What do we have? What tools do we already have? Um, and and we, we basically had everything we needed. Um, our, our administration supported with a couple of new tech tools, like speakers that allowed the students in the classroom to be um, heard from the students at home. But other than that, it was, we were able to use what we already had. So if we kind of talked about good, good teaching is good teaching. Does that resonate to kind of what you guys felt as, as you were kind of going through this process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my go-to sayings this year has been, uh, just good online teaching has roots in good teaching, um, which I had heard from a professional development last summer. And it's, it's the same, feeling like it's just you're 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 the platform's a little bit different but I'm still considering students in the same way I'm considering relationships uh in the same way how can I how can I reach my students um their emotions their curiosity um again just with with what we already have um a lot of the tools I've been using but maybe in a different way so one of those examples is Pear Deck uh I've been I started using Pear Deck a lot during remote learning uh much more than I ever have before and now that we are uh, concurrently teaching or rooming and zooming I've found little you know shortcuts and and hacks to to accommodate the kids who are in front of me and the kids who are at home so sometimes it's just like a little tweak with what we've already been doing. Absolutely. I think you have to go back to, like you said, the roots of your just classroom teaching and you can't forget all those little things that you do 
Um, I think we focus so much on the technology on how to make the rooming and zooming happen that it's easy to kind of forget about the teaching, but that's really, the teaching is really the important part. The technology is the, is the easy stuff. So finding tools, like you said, Pear Deck is an awesome one. Um, even just something simple like Google forms where you, like I've been having the students fill in a check-in form every day, because again, it's that relationship building, which really is the foundation of your teaching. And that stuff hasn't changed. Um, like you said, the setup is a little bit different, but we just have to be a little creative and, and rethinking the tools that we already have that we're used to using, just using them in new ways. Yeah. If you looked at my lesson plan book, it would look exactly how it would in another year, but how I'm kind of launching those tools or the way that I'm um, sending that information to the kids at home versus the kids in this cl in the classroom. Um, that's just a little bit different than before. Absolutely. I agree. We have a number of teachers after spring break who are kind of starting this journey for the first time. Uh, some of our elementary school teachers and then teachers across the district. Based on what you've seen, you've talked to your colleagues, what advice would you give them? I'll go ahead and start. I think like basically kind of what we've already reiterated is just focus on the basics of good teaching. Um, you can't stress about the technology stuff will happen. Um, you know, everybody comes to me and says, oh, you're an instructional tech person. Like, you know how to do this. And I, I've had days where my technology doesn't work, but so if you focus not on that, but just on the kids and on providing them the curriculum and the instruction that, you know, they're looking for, I think that's really the importance. Um, just be flexible. There's going to be days where things go well and things don't go well, but that's exactly what happens in the classroom, um, in a normal setting. So I think we're, we're so in this, everything is different and, and, and to a certain extent it is, but then also to a certain extent it isn't. Um, so the same things that you would really think about when all your kids are in front of you, you still have to think about, and just remember it's the kids first. So, um, whatever you can do to make their day brighter. One thing that I've been really, um, was reminded to me that I think is really important is take a couple minutes at the beginning of your day to check in with the kids and not about curriculum at all. Just make it a fun something again, like you naturally do in the classroom. It's a little bit harder to do, um, with the two groups, but a Google form pair deck, something like that. It's really easy to just touch base with them, um, before and check in before class even starts. I would say one of the things that I've been, I found most helpful, um, is to try to be more expansive in a lot of things. Um, how, like the language I'm using. So I've, I've gotten really used to saying, if you're at home, blank. And if you're in the classroom, blank. So that nobody feels um, left out, that I'm, I'm, I'm talking to all of us. Um, and also just being expansive about, um, about what students are bringing to the classroom, not necessarily physically, but just, just being really expansive about what's quote unquote acceptable as like a response or as a product. Um, so not being focused on a single product, but very expansive uh, as far as um, what kids have access to, because it's going to be very different depending on even if they're in the classroom, because that looks different too, right? What they have access to even in the classroom from what we're used to years before. So I just try to think big. I just remind myself, ex you know, expansive language, um, expectations, all those things. Um, and Julie, I, I agree with you. The relationships with students, my go-to has been music this year. I try to incorporate music almost every day, whether it's like, I call it a walk-on song. So like, it's the song that kids hear when they come onto the, um, zoom. It's the song it's, I play songs when we have guest speakers or all-star guests, I call them. Um, 
that what's that smash mouth song that all-star song that's our mm-hmm. walk-on song for all-star guests so the kids get excited when they hear that song because they know someone else is coming on um so music has kind of been my my relationship um you know builder this year too yeah, J- Jessica, you talked a lot about some uh, really great ideas. One of the things that we've uh, talked to some of our elementary school teachers about is play some music, have a little fun. If it's the kids easy. are working independently, put a timer on, play some music, just make it fun and lively, right? And, I mean, uh, you're at it's at your fingertips anyway, so might as well take advantage. And then they love, at, you know, they love adding to the playlist too. So I have a couple playlists on Spotify and YouTube, depending on, um, you know, what I happen to have, you know, access to that day. So kids love suggesting songs and, um, we have all kinds of playlists. So music has been kind of a lifesaver this year. I love I, that you both are talking about the student aspect, um, and the, and how they are excited about learning and being in your classrooms, a lot of that relationship building. Um, have you heard any specific feedback from the students themselves, whether they're at home or in, in, in the classroom about how they're, um, enjoying them rooming and zooming, or have they provided you with, Hey, this would work better if you did X, Y, Z. Yeah, I think getting their feedback has been very helpful. I think you need to be open to that as a teacher. Um, I think the kids that are in person have enjoyed being back in person. Um, I think the kids that are on Zoom appreciate all the efforts that you make. Like Jessica, you were saying, being intentional about saying to people at home, to kids in the classroom, um, those kinds of things. It's been the spectrum as it always is. You know, some kids love learning from home. It's a different, it's just Mm -hmm. a different feeling for them. Um, and they've really kind of connected to, to remote learning. Um, some of them have spoken up a lot more because they have access to the chat, kind of a back channel to the teacher that maybe they didn't have in a live classroom before. I know I've talked to a lot of teachers about how do we replicate that when we're 100% back? How do we support students who feel like they, um, you know, they kind of rely on that way to communicate with the teacher instead of raising their hand. And we've been brainstorming some options for that when we don't have the chat. Um, And I've had, you know, almost some of the same kids who loves um, remote learning who are coming back face-to-face after break are really excited to be back in the classroom. Um, you know, it's a different experience in both places, but, um, we still have, we find ways to connect. So I've, I've heard great things from both. And I think as teachers, when we move forward, thinking about what was successful in both settings that we can, um, adapt for future, um, for our future experiences for kids. One thing that has surprised me in a good way is the kids that have return to the classroom, some of their self-advocacy skills that they've developed by being in remote learning really are paying off. And it's really cool to see they are more, um, more willing to ask you questions and seek you out about how to do things. And, and there are definitely those kids, even via zoom, like you said, who are chatting you and like having that back channel, but I have noticed it even coming into the classroom as well. So a lot of these things that we maybe saw as struggles, um, I think are going to come and we're going to see them as benefits in the long run. What would you say is the timeframe that it took for you to set up some of the expectations for students? So um, you're, you have a classroom of students in front of you. You have a classroom of students on the screen. Um, what systems did you put in place for raising hand and asking those questions or having them connect either the rumors connecting to the Zoomers? Like, what would you say would be for a teacher just putting this in place? Like, what should their mindset be to put that in place for their classroom, knowing that you'd have to make some modifications and tweaks along the way, of course? I've actually found the tools in Zoom have been super helpful for, um, 
um, for helping students see when it's a time for like one voice or when it's time for multiple voices. I regularly use um, the, the adjustments in the chat settings and the adjustments in the unmute and mute settings uh, in the security panel under, under Zoom. I regularly switch back and forth between those in class. And so um, that's kind of a built-in way of uh, showing the kids because they can see, oh, now it's not a time I'm going to unmute um, the can't. And so uh, that's why I've actually just relied on the technology for those pieces um, so that that class uh, runs, you know, a little more smoothly. Yeah, I think um, obviously the kids that are still remote and on Zoom, those haven't changed too much. Um, I've had to give them a couple reminders. Like I might not be able to see the chat right away because I'm, um, off helping someone else. So just know that if I don't respond to you right away, that's probably why. Um, but overall, I think, I think the kids adapt pretty quickly. Um, I was surprised how fast it, they reacquainted themselves with just being in the classroom and raising their hand that way. But I Jessica, back to what you said, it's all about being intentional of saying like, people at home, people at, at in the classroom and kind of like differentiating between the two to an extent, because there are times where you want anyone to chime in, but then there's other times where you, you do have to, like, I've had to almost mute, which obviously I can't, but mute the kids in the classroom and say, I need somebody at home to answer this for me. The, the kids, I think caught on to it pretty quick. And a lot of it is just you. And, and if you stick with some sort of routine, like Jessica, what you were saying with using those zoom features, um, but just whatever works for the teacher and the kids are going to adapt to it pretty well. You, you know, they've had you as their teacher for however long this year. So they're used to already the way that you do things. And I don't think that changes too much, whether they're in person or remote. Yeah. And I've seen amazing creativity from our teachers and how they display expectations for students. I mean, some teachers have entire displays that will digitally or electronically show the students, you know, this is the volume level, or this is the expectation for talking right now or unmuting right now. So there's a lot of different ways. And like Julie said, depending on the teachers, um, you know, classroom management style to begin with, I think everybody, uh, there's, there's something out there for everybody. You guys have shared some amazing ideas and things that you've kind of gone through and you both have unique roles where you get to see a lot of different teachers across the district. My kind of final question today is what's next for maybe you, your buildings, maybe the district as a whole, but what's kind of the evolution over the last eight weeks of school? The end of the school year brings a lot of, um, you know, unique, uh, experiences. I don't want to say adventures. We'll say adventures. And I think, um, I'm actually, I'm having a lot of fun trying to think about how to kind of evolve what you typically do at the end of the school year, but in our current setting, um, you know, sometimes spring is a time for field trips and, you know, a lot of that is going to look different this year, but there's a lot of institutions out there that are offering a lot of those opportunities virtually. So those are some things that we can actually access now that, that perhaps, you know, on a regular year, quote unquote, regular year, we wouldn't have access to. So, um, I think it's a time for just like spring is it's a time for, you know, um, a renewal and, and fresh ideas and kind of, um, evolving into something new. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, um, to innovate with our fellow teachers and students and, uh, and do a lot of celebrating because students have been incredible this year. I try to tell my, and that's another thing I try to tell my students all the time. If nobody has told you that you're doing a great job today, you are doing an amazing job. And, um, so it's just a lot of that celebration and uplift. Uh, I think hopefully we see a lot of that at the end of the year, cause there's a lot to celebrate. 
I absolutely. I agree. Um, I think like you said, rethinking some of the things that you would normally do at the end of the year and finding creative ways to do it. Um, stuff that you just would have never thought about before. I think there's so much opportunity for that. And we have so many resources available to us to make that happen. Um, I know at the high school level, we have more kids in the building. So, um, that is kind of fun. It kind of opens up the what you can do in the classroom, but also what you can do at home just with the different groups. Um, so I think like you were saying kind of time we've, we've been in this for long enough now that people have the basics down and it's, it's going to, I think we're going to see a lot of really cool and exciting teach like things that teachers are doing because they've got the hang of it now and they feel comfortable trying new things and their, their thought processes are, um, they've got that part down. So just finding ways to be creative, to engage students, um, through the end of the year as well. Well, we thank both of you for your time today. We know that you're not just resources for your building, but for the district and the everything you shared with us today, we hope will help all of our teachers that are um, tipping their toe into the rooming and Zooming or concurrent classroom in the next few weeks. And also maybe some affirmations and, and validating the hard work that all the teachers have already put in place this year with, with some of the skills and, and instructional technology pieces that they've incorporated into their classroom. So thank you for everything. We would like to thank both Jessica and Julie for their time today. We know they provide leadership at their buildings, but also support teachers throughout the district. We'd also like to thank members of our CNI team for their leadership on this topic and extend a special thank you to members of our communication department, Janet Julio and Clayton Urbanic for making the podcast happen. If you have any further questions, please email your questions to support at IPSD.org. We thank you for your time today and hope you enjoyed being part of the conversation.